0: So in our loving-kindness practice, we are practicing in an effort to remember, to remember our wish to be happy and the wish that we have for all beings. Uh, this wish is in the heart. Uh, we often lose sight of it. We often lose sight of it. Uh, and I often talk about how uh, you know it's so important to remember our wish to be happy you know so we have to we have to really make an active effort to do that so in the practice we're remembering our wish to be happy uh, through using some kind of what we call of course fabrication if it's thoughts uh, different way of thinking uh, about our wish to be happy if it's phrases or just words Uh or an image uh, so we're remembering our wish to be happy we you know if we want to use those terms of neuroscience you know we're we're making those grooves in the mind we're you know strengthening those synapses uh, strengthening those neural pathways uh, you know which may you know which may uh, you know there may be many neural pathways in the mind that are uh, inclining us to think other things about ourselves and other beings, right? So uh, so in this practice, we're remembering our wish to be happy, the wish that we have for other beings, that they be happy of heart. And then we're seeing if we can connect to that, you know, in a felt sense, uh, in the heart center, uh, and to really get to know that quality in the heart, that quality of well-wishing, and ultimately that quality of metta, in the heart. You know, it's just like we want to get to know the quality of aversion and anxiety and worry because we want to understand those qualities, and we want to be aware of them, and then we want to also know that quality in the heart of metta so we can cultivate that quality. Ultimately, loving-kindness, metta, this quality in the heart, is the quality a quality that informs skillful action right so you know loving kindness practice is it doesn't really work so well as a standalone practice you know the loving kindness has to be expressed in our actions with regard to ourselves and others that's the reason ultimately why we practice so that we can take action informed by the heart taught many many loving kindness courses over the years Uh, some of you many of you have taken some of those courses that i've taught uh, when usually you know it's a six-week course and we go through each category and i have different practice activities in those courses Uh, one of the practice activities that i used to do that some of you may have engaged in uh, i would say every day try to do one activity Do something that's an act of loving kindness for yourself. Take an action that's informed by Metta for yourself. Do something every day. It could be something very simple. Uh, Oftentimes people found that a very difficult practice, very difficult practice. And I think over the years I said, I know it's hard to do it every day, so maybe once a week try to do something that's an action of loving kindness informed by metta. So, you know, it's a learning process, right? You know, one of the things we learn is how hard it is for us to to take action that's informed by love for ourselves. But it's a good activity because we do learn to take action informed by metta. Uh, And in that activity, one of the things that we learned was how to discern which actions are actions that are informed by metta which actions, uh, that's discernment. So discernment is, you know, you know and on, 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 on the mundane level in terms of actions, deeds, it would be discernment on the level of heedfulness. Uh, uh, you know, we learn to, uh, discernment is learning which actions are actions or being able to know uh, which actions are actions that are informed by metta. By our wish to be happy, and then loving kindness is the quality of the heart that informs those actions. It sort of like empowers those actions and guides those actions. One of the things that we would often see when I would give this activity is that uh, uh, people, myself included, uh, often would see that uh, actions that we might have thought would comprise actions that were actions of loving-kindness for ourselves. When we made an effort to take those actions and reflected on those actions, we realized they really weren't actions that comprised actions of loving-kindness. So sort of the classic example of that would be my own example where I would say, oh, you know, because I would always do the activities along with the class, you know, and of course, I'm always learning these things myself and my experience was similar to other people, so I would say, oh, this is great, you know, on Tuesday, I'm going to, you uh, you know, buy myself a nice pint of ice cream out of loving kindness for myself. You know, this is gonna be a profound act of metta towards myself, you know. You know, and I'd get about halfway through the pint and I'd realize, you know, this isn't an act of metta, this is an act of desire, you know, this action uh, in which I am consuming large quantities of Ben and Jerry's, this might have even been back before there was even a Ben and Jerry's maybe, uh, you know, this action in which I'm consuming large quantities of Ben and Jerry's is not an action that's informed by metta, It's an action that's informed by desire, desire for a sense pleasure. So, you know, it was a good activity because we could start to see the difference, right? We could start to see the difference between an action that's informed by, and sometimes, you know, they they seem very similar. An action that's, we want to, of course, see the difference between an action that's informed by aversion and an action informed by loving kindness, and to see the difference between and to be able to discern an action that's informed by, Sense pleasure, uh, desire for sense pleasure, and meta. So the way I sometimes like to think about it is: we understand the wish of wishes in the heart, right? The wishes in the heart, what the heart wants. We learn to understand what the heart wants. So the title of this talk is "What the Heart Wants," or the subtitle could be "The Heart Doesn't Want Things." Or the subtitle could be, The Heart Doesn't Want Ice Cream. Just, just, I submit that for your reflection. So our practice uh, is a practice of seeing for ourselves what the heart wants. And we can be guided by our teachers and our benefactors, and of course we need guidance, but ultimately in our practice, uh, we have to see for ourselves what the heart wants. We have to see for ourselves what's in support of the heart. What actions are in support of our wish to be happy, to have happiness of heart. One of the most uh, well-known suttas in the Buddhist teaching is his teaching to the Kalamas, the people of the Kalamas. So often, as many suttas are, you know, and, you know, it's an often sort of misinterpreted or misunderstood sutta. Uh, The Kalamas said to the Buddha, you know, all these teachers, these spiritual uh, adepts are coming, you know, to us. You know, the Kalamas were sort of a, a bit spiritually naive, you know, they weren't so far advanced in their uh, spiritual practices. And they say, say, you know, all these people are coming with all these... So it probably is a good metaphor for the Western world, right? You know, uh, uh, a good teaching. It is It is a good teaching. Uh, you know, all these teachers come to us and they say, this is what we should do. This is what we should believe in. This, you know, uh, we don't know. You know, we, 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 we're hearing all these things. Uh, you know, and, and the message to the kalamas that the Buddha gave was, you know, don't go by what others tell you, don't go by the, uh, what others tell you, don't go even by what teachers tell you is in your best interests. Everybody's telling you what's in your best interests, right? You know, Has anybody had a life like that where others have told you what's in your best interests? And you know, we've all had lives like that, right? If it's our parents, if it's our school, if it's the media, Everybody's telling you telling us what's in our best interests. The Buddha said don't go by what other others tell you is in your best interests, what's in support of your heart, what leads you to true happiness. See for yourself. See for yourself what's in your best interests, what's in support of your heart, what leads to true happiness. I like to think of Dharma practice as a practice for developing skills so that we're able to see for ourselves what's in support of true happiness, what's in support of the greatest happiness possible, what's in support of the greatest happiness possible, which actions we can take that are gonna lead us to the greatest happiness possible. So it's a practice that doesn't tell you what to do. It helps you develop skills so that you can see for yourself and understand for yourself. That's what I always loved about this practice, right? That's what I always loved about this practice. So, and that's, you know, in part why we say, you know, what we're learning to do is develop skills so that we can understand what is skillful. What is skillful is that which leads to true happiness. What is unskillful is that which leads to suffering. So, you know, meditation. I mean, loving kindness meditation is a skill for helping us to do that, as I've already delineated today. Uh, breath meditation, concentration practice, is the most important skill that we develop for helping us to enabling us to discern, to discern which actions are going to be in support of the greatest happiness possible. In his teaching to the Buddha, uh, the Kalamas, the Buddha uh, uh, tried to guide the Kalamas, as a good teacher would do, in, in, uh, you know, in their making an effort to understand what was in their best interests. So he said, as he, as, he, as he taught them, he said, he asked them, is action informed by desire for sense pleasure something that conduces to true happiness? Is action informed by aversion action that conduces to true happiness? Is action informed by delusion in support of the heart? And the Kalama said, well, you know, no, you know. He gave them a very simple teaching, but you know it's the teaching that we all have to understand, right? You know, is action informed by desire for sense pleasure in support of the heart. Kalamas is is that action that's driving you to consume those large quantities of Ben and Jerry. they probably didn't have Ben and Jerry's twenty six hundred years ago, but you know you sort of get the get get the message. So. Uh, The Buddha of course said to them, see that, see that. These are questions that you have to ask, look and see. Is this action informed by desire, aversion, in support of the heart? See that, know that, know that. Put aside those actions that aren't in your best interests. So as we practice Uh, As we practice uh, this kind of discernment uh, and as we ask these kinds of questions, we begin to understand that, you know, the heart uh, doesn't want things, isn't interested in things, Uh, you know. uh, You know, we could think of desire as wanting things that we don't have, right? You know, or aversion as not wanting things that we have the heart isn't interested in things, in getting what we don't have, and getting rid of what we have. The world is interested in things, you know? The message of the world, the message that we may have heard from our friends and, and, and adults as we were growing up, and uh, our schools, and certainly on the different kinds of media, is that happiness is found in things, happiness is found in things. The Buddha said the message of the world is that happiness is found in the different sense pleasures, the pleasures of the world. Happiness is found in a gain and material possessions and money. Happiness is found in status, happiness is found in praise, happiness is found in these things. This is the message that the world gives us. As Dharma students, we don't go along blindly with what the world is telling us. We don't go along blindly with those messages. And this is what the Buddha is telling the Kalamas. See for yourself. Understand these things for yourself. See for yourself what actions conduce to happiness. See for yourself what the heart wants. Come to understand for yourself what the heart wants. As he guides the Kalamas and his teachings, uh, the Buddha says, is action informed by compassion in support of the heart, conducive to happiness? Kalamas say, yeah, you know, I think it is. Is action informed by metta, loving kindness, in support of the heart, conducive to happiness of heart, conducive to the greatest happiness there is? The Kalamas say, yeah, you know, the Buddha said, see this for yourself. See which actions are informed by compassion and loving kindness and cultivate those actions. See which actions are skillful and cultivate those actions. And then what the Buddha did uh, after he went through that little dialogue with the Kalamas was he gave them the instruction for cultivating the sublime abidings. You know, for, for training themselves to get to know these qualities of the heart, what we did this morning. Uh, the Buddha's instruction, and the only instruction he really ever gave in the Sublime Abidings, and this will be in your notes, uh, let me see if I can find it here, this is always tricky, uh, the Buddha's instructions to the Kalamas, uh, you know, much less uh, detailed than what we did this morning. Uh, The Buddha's uh, instructions, uh, we did a little, we did some variation on this this morning, but a much more detailed one. The Buddha's instructions for cultivating metta, very simple. He said, uh, One who is a disciple of the noble ones, thus devoid of greed, devoid of ill will, undiluted, alert, and resolute, keeps pervading the first direction, that's the east, uh, as well as the second direction, the third and the fourth, with an awareness imbued with goodwill. Thus he keeps pervading above and below, all around, everywhere, and in every respect, the all-encompassing cosmos with an awareness imbued with goodwill, abundant, expansive, immeasurable, free from hostility, free from ill will. So uh, over the years, uh, people kind of decided that uh, that particular instruction was uh, really was not too long after the Buddha. Passed away, they said that instruction is kind of, you know, that's a hard instruction. We're gonna we're gonna kind of flesh it out a little bit and uh, kind of go through categories and phrases and things like that. But it all comes down to, you know, having an awareness imbued with goodwill, and letting that awareness uh, pervade all the directions in all beings. In his teachings, the Buddha talked about two. Uh, two factors that uh, two, the two most important, one external and one internal factor, that lead us to awakening and happiness of heart. Uh, the most important external factor, he said, is association with admirable friends. And, you know, the very, very simple uh, and concise and important definition of an admirable friend, a wise being, as we sometimes refer to them, Uh, These are beings who live in accord with the law of karma. The Buddhist teaching to the Kalamas was basically an explication of the law of karma, that our happiness depends on our actions, and that true happiness, we know happiness, uh, you know, an unassailable happiness uh, when we take action that's informed with compassion and loving-kindness, and and we suffer, uh, and we struggle in this life if our actions are informed by, you know, and we'll, we'll... Will uh, accrue consequences that'll be detrimental to us uh, if we take actions that are informed by desire and aversion and delusion. So a wise being, you know, uh, you know, is a being who uh, uh, is in accord with that understanding and teaching. May not be perfect with it by any means, right? But you know, that's what I look for in a being: is a being who. Who uh, you know is is interested and resolved to uh, an extent on in living a life in accord with the law of karma. In other words, to take action that's informed by love and compassion, and to abandon action that's informed by greed, hatred, and delusion. So wise beings are beings who live in accord with the law of karma, and also beings who teach the law of karma. There's really two categories of wise beings, which would be of kalyanamita, spiritual friends and teachers. So in, in teachers, this is what we're looking for. You know, do teachers teach the law of karma. Teachers teach uh, uh, you know, uh, that happiness is found in action informed by loving kindness and compassion, and that we should look at our actions accordingly. The most important internal factor, the Buddha said, that leads to our awakening is what he called appropriate attention. The the Theravada monk, Amaro calls it wise reflection. Appropriate attention, very much in accord with the first category of wise beings, appropriate attention means to pay attention to what we're doing, pay attention to our actions, see for ourselves what our actions are comprised of in real time and reflect on our actions this is appropriate attention wise reflection we reflect on our actions path is a path of reflection you know and you know the primary reflection is is what i'm doing skillful or unskillful what are the consequences of what i'm doing does what i'm doing uh, accrue to my long-term welfare and the welfare of all beings in the long term is what i'm doing unskillful leading to suffering is what i'm doing skillful leading to true happiness this is wise reflection we look at our actions and we pay attention to our actions now there's two levels this is in the notes so you don't have to take notes i put down your pens uh so, there's two levels, uh, and many of you are f- familiar with this teaching. Uh, there's two levels of paying attention uh, and applying appropriate attention. One is what's known as the mundane level. Uh, i got to come up with something better for that. That's, uh, uh doesn't sound very inspiring. Uh, and the other level is the transcendent. So, on the mundane level, We're heedful of our actions, our deeds, our speech, our mental action, our thinking. On the transcendent level, we're we're mindful of our actions with regard to the Four Noble Truths. So... in being mindful of our actions in accord with the Four Noble Truths, uh, we are recognizing our suffering and what we're recognizing and what the Buddha asked us to recognize is what he called dukkha. And dukkha is the way we block ourselves off from our hearts by clinging. So in the First Noble Truth, what we're asked to To see, we're asked to see, is that we are engaging in this action of clinging, this action of holding on. All clinging is rooted in aversion and desire and delusion, so we're holding on to some form of aversion or desire. Maybe it's aversion to the way the knee feels, or maybe it's some form of aversion or desire as it manifests in liking or disliking or in some kind of an emotion that arises. So we're asked to see that we're holding on, we're clinging, Uh, we're asked to see this action of clinging, and we're asked to see the consequences of that action, which is that our heart is blocked, our heart is blocked. We use that term suffering, but the way I like to think about it is when you are engaging in that action of clinging, of holding on to whatever you're holding on to, if it's anxiety or worry or fear or dissatisfaction, whatever it is, when we're holding on, our heart is blocked. So we're asked to, in pr- applying appropriate attention, to see that we're holding on. So as we look at dukkha, as we look at that experience that we sometimes refer to as suffering uh, or stress or uh, dis-ease on a very because it could be very subtle right uh, these times when our hearts are blocked what we're asked to do of course you know and maybe what we're looking at is you know where we're, we're uh, embroiled in a certain emotion if it's worry or fear or dis- dissatisfaction or sorrow Uh, And what we're asked to do is to see that, to look at what we're doing, to ask, Am I holding on? Am I holding on? Seeing that you're holding on is very subtle, right? On this transcendent level, it's very subtle. Okay, there's an emotion, anger, sadness, worry, to see that you're actually to see it, not to have an idea that you're holding on. Wisdom comes by you see that you're holding on. It's very subtle. What enables you to see things on that subtle, i.e. transcendent, i.e. liberating level is concentration. The more concentration you can have, you can see that you're holding on and you're holding on is what's causing your suffering. You're holding on is what's causing your suffering. Till you are able to see that, to see that, to see that. you know, It's gonna be difficult to let go. So we ask, am I holding on? What are the consequences of holding on? What are the consequences of holding on? You know, when we have noble discernment, noble discernment, we're able, transcendent discernment, we're able to see and understand the consequences of holding on, we see the burden on the heart. We see the burden on the heart. We understand the pain of holding on. And, of course, that pain of holding on isn't a pain uh, that is simply an expression of our holding on in that moment. It's an expression of a lifetime of holding on. Or we could say, if you like, lifetimes of holding on. This is why you know, the Buddha was able to perceive that you know, all the tears we've shed in our many lifetimes you know, is enough to fill the four oceans. When we truly understand that, we'll let go. This is transcendent knowing. Now, I've had some profound experiences of this lately. It Largely, came have been coming up in my meditation, where uh, you know experiences of you know when and, and you know at stronger levels of concentration of deep sorrow, deep sorrow that I've been you know that I that I, that have you know and and and. And, you know, it's this lifetime of sorrow, you know, this lifetime of sorrow. It's been really, you know, it's been, you know, and it's just like, this is the practice, you know, it's sort of like, I've been doing this for over 30 years, you know, and there's, there's, you know, it's going deeper, it's going deeper, and you can't force that issue, you can't force that issue, but it's understanding, you know, and, you know, the point about the sorrow is, I've been holding on to that. You know, it wasn't like Dad did this. Yeah, it started with Dad doing this, you know, but then the sorrow arose and I've been holding on to it since I was a little boy. You know, it's what I've its what i been doing. You know, it's what I've been doing, holding on, holding on, holding on, holding on. Yeah, you know, you know, we have to understand that. You know, there's a heavy burden that I've been carrying around, like this big sack on my shoulders. The heart wants to be free from its burdens. The heart wants to be free from its burdens. This is what compassion is. This is what compassion is. In the heart, there's a wish for us to be free from our burdens. we're holding on, you know, the mind is holding on, we're engaged in a lifetime of holding on. We've all got our own stories in terms of the ways that we've been holding on. And again, it's what we've been doing, we've been holding on. We've all got our burdens, the heart wants to be free from its burdens. So when we bring appropriate attention to our experience, we reflect. You know, am I holding on? Am I holding on to this sorrow? Do I have to hold on to it? Do I have to hold on to it? This is a component of appropriate attention. Is this something that can be let go of? So this is also one of the crucial elements of noble discernment, to understand that these things that we're holding on are not who we are. They're anatta, not self. Their conditioned experiences they can be let go of. We begin to understand that we don't have to hold on. We can let go of our burdens. It's a process we've been holding on for so long. We don't really know how to do much else other than hold on. And it's scary to let go, right? Scary to let go. But it's something that we can do. It's what the heart wants. It's what the heart wants. The heart wants to be free. The heart wants to be free of its burdens. And the heart is the only thing that can let let go. The heart is the only thing that can let go. When the heart lets go of its burdens, there's happiness. There's happiness of heart. There's happiness. A lot of times we don't like this word because we equate it with the happiness of the world, but I think sometimes it's good to use this word, you know, so we can see how we've been using it in one way, but what the, what the Buddha is referring to is something quite different when he talks about happiness. He's talking about a greater happiness, a happiness that's greater than the happiness of the world, a happiness that's greater than the happiness that comes from things, A happiness that's greater than the happiness that comes, dare I say, from ice cream. It's the most profound happiness there is. The heart wants this happiness. The heart wants this happiness. This wish in the heart for this happiness is metta. So may we all be free from our burdens. May we all be free from the burdens on the heart May we all know happiness of heart, the happiness of the heart that's free from its burdens. Let's just close our eyes for a moment.